we have been trotting a very meaningful, um, uh, rich path through the book of Romans. Uh, this is Paul's uh, mountaintop book. Now, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul has been writing uh, a number of a lot of epistles, all of which have uh, grand contribution to our understanding of the the person and purposes of God, um, the role of the body of Christ, uh, all kinds of ideas regarding the the position and place of the believer in the overall context of the glory of God and these kinds of things. We find elements of these things throughout Paul's writings, but Romans is really kind of the the peak, the apex of Paul's theological exposition. Uh, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul speaks eloquently and thoroughly to so many different things. But we find ourselves here now as we move through chapter 8, really especially now through the end of chapter 8 into chapters 9 through 11, this becomes very lofty territory. And it's, uh, it becomes important for us to consider these things and take our time through them uh, so that we can uh, glean as much as possible from them. So that being said, we're going to look at verse 28 of chapter 28 today and really provide something of an introduction to where we're moving into in the verses that will follow, the verses and chapters immediately following. Um, So let me read the verse. It's probably very familiar to many of us. Chapter 8, verse 28. Of course, I've as always, you want to make sure your Bible's ready to go, pens, highlighters, whatever you do to, to, to mark passages for further contemplation. I mean that in the right way, not the weird New Agey way, but to truly think deeply about these ideas. And so um, verse 28 of chapter 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, again, that's probably somewhat of a familiar passage to many. Most uh, of y'all that are watching have probably heard that verse. Uh, You, like myself, have probably gone back periodically to make sure it's still there in the midst of some crazy circumstance that is really unsettling. Okay, let me just make sure 828 is there. Okay, and we know all things work together for good. Okay, we've probably done that. Um, But it is important for us to recognize that while there is certainly in principle truth to that that is much broader Uh, are very broad and kind of far-reaching in terms of our understanding of what God is doing in our lives is ultimately working out a good purpose. Uh, And it's worth spending a minute on this, actually, before we even get uh, into a further point. Um, When we talk about, and by the way, this passage is in the context of the will of God that the Holy Spirit uh, is intricately, intimately involved in, in regard to bringing our prayers before the Father, um, uh, you know, um, according to the will of God and that kind of thing. We touched briefly on some of that last time, but let me take a minute about the will of God here as we move into now what Romans 28 kind of becomes the gateway now from that previous conversation into a, again, very lofty one. Um, and let me start with this. Let me kind of exposit this passage here. And we know, okay, so there is a, we have knowledge of this truth, we understand this to be true is the idea. And we know we have cognizant sense of the reality of what is being said here. Well, what's being said that all things work together for good. Okay. For those who love God and are the called according to his purpose, for those who love God and are the called according to his purpose, 
By the way, those are the same person, the one who loves God and is called according to his purpose. Well, you can't really love God if you have the wrong God or if you've sort of invented your own version of Jesus. So if you actually do love God for who he is uh, and, and you therefore are now the called according to his purpose, you can rest in the knowledge you have and possess the knowledge of the reality. The truth is that for you and for me as believers in Christ, those who love God and are called according to his purpose, that all things work together for good. Okay? That is a monumental statement to make. You and I as believers, if you're watching and you're a believer, you and I know certainty that all things work together for our good. Now, I will put a little bit of a spoiler in here. The context of this verse, as it unfolds all the way up through verse 39, is speaking of an ultimate good. And that's a really important point. We know that all things work together for our good, not just in some quick, immediate sense. In principle, that is true. And we see this throughout. But that, that's true because it fits into the larger context of God's overall good for us. Now, that's going to cause us to have to think a little bit, uh, to have to consider more broadly than oftentimes we generally do. We tend to have a very short-sighted sort of sense of this passage. Uh, all things work together for good. Okay, so sometimes we see that as meaning that I'm in a really bad circumstance, but God's going to turn it around and, and use it for something good, or he's going to maybe change my circumstance into something better, something like that. Uh, he could. He might turn your circumstance around and uh, change it into a very different kind of a thing. And certainly the passage speaks to the idea of him using this difficult circumstance for something good. But ultimately, we want to understand that when it comes to all things working together for good, God has an ultimate good in mind for the believer. In one sense, and in the immediate context of what will be spoken of here for the next 10 verses or so, um, speaks of what he is working out in terms of our ultimate position in Christ, ultimately where we'll be in Christ, when in his presence and all this kind of thing. It will go on to speak about um, what he has started in us, he will complete until the day of Christ. Uh, as a matter of fact, much of what we'll see in verses 28 through 39 is very succinctly spoken of by Paul in uh, Philippians chapter 1. Again, we, uh, that, that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. So what is this good that he's working out? Well, again, in the ultimate sense, God is building us into something. He is accomplishing, and this is the far more uh, poignant element of what these following verses will ultimately teach us, he is accomplishing something that he has begun in us, and therefore everything he does in our lives, whether he does it directly or allows it into our lives, is working toward the accomplishing of that end goal, of that end purpose. And he will accomplish it. Again, if I can borrow from Philippians 1, uh, 1, 6, the idea that he will complete that which he began in us. He is working all things together for our good in the ultimate, most far-reaching, pervasive, complete sense. So because that's true, we know that everything that comes our way in life, whether it, again, is something he directly brings into our life or whether he allows into our life, ultimately falls under those auspices. He is doing something that is meaningful and will be completed 
and therefore requires, based on what he sees as being necessary, to bring us to that point. Now, you may be able to tell that I'm kind of opening this up to discuss something that can become very, um, very difficult for a lot of believers. Um, there are circumstances in our lives that we see as being averse, which actually are being used by God to accomplish his purposes. Um, Paul, for example, um, Paul experienced incredible hardship in his life. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was forsaken, all kinds of things. Everywhere he went, he was followed by people, legalists that were trying to undermine his teaching, uh, undo the work that he was doing as he went from place to place. I mean, it was a constant battle for him with some times of rest and peace among believers, you know, where he could find some rest. But the, but the earmarks of his ministry were such as to include a lot of adversity and difficulty. Yet nonetheless, these things were ultimately working out things for his ultimate good. He considered them light afflictions compared to the glory that was yet to come. Matter of fact, the author of Hebrews speaks of Christ himself despising the shame that he would have to endure, nevertheless looking beyond it to the glory that ultimately was to be accomplished. And so in the believer's life, there is something akin to that that is involved in our moving through life toward God accomplishing his ultimate purposes. It's important that believers not be short-sighted, that we not think of just the immediate. We live in the immediate. We don't know the future. And so we live in the context that we do. And that causes us sometimes to think that, well, God certainly will do this or he will do that or whatever, because this is what I see as good. Well, God is not just concerned with what we think is good. As a matter of fact, when what we see is good doesn't line up with what God is ultimately doing for our good, then our good has to be put on the back seat or just removed entirely because we want to focus on what God is ultimately going to do. Um, Another example with Paul. Um, Of course, you could find examples of this. Uh, As a matter of fact, I'll point to Christ in just a moment. But when you think about Paul, and he's buffeted by a messenger of Satan three times, and he prays three times, I should say, um, you, know, del- you know, deliver me from this. But the Lord responded, Jesus himself responded to Paul and said, my grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, your sufferings, Paul, which you're going through, are giving opportunity for me to demonstrate my grace to uphold you, and also for me to be glorified through this. And so we don't like pain, we don't like suffering, we don't like hardships, and neither does God per se. God is not a a fan of this fallen world, but the fact that he can use things even within this fallen world to accomplish his ultimate good purposes and his glory, uh, being glorified through it, is remarkable. And mature believers want to be part of that. We want to allow God to do what he's doing in our lives, that he might bring us to full maturity, that he might accomplish the purposes, things that we'll discuss as we make our way through this passage in the days to come. Uh, And we're not going to rush through this passage. We're going to take time. And again, this is a very important section for us to to be well acquainted with. Um, But when it comes to God accomplishing his purposes, we want to be part of that. Uh, that's that's growing maturity. That is submission to Christ. This is living out what Paul said that, you know, I was bought at a price, therefore I will glorify God in my body. Um, the ultimate example of this, I said I'd point to Christ here. The ultimate example of this is Jesus in the garden. Um, when, you know, he's sweating drops of blood, he is under the greatest stress and pressure that anyone 
any anyone in humanity has ever experienced. Uh, he is fully God, but he's also fully man, and he is enduring pressure un um, hitherto unknown kind of a thing. It just he is absolutely feeling the weight and pressure uh, of Satan coming against him, of the knowledge that he of what he knows he's about to endure. And in the midst of all of that, he asks very understandably, Father, let this cup pass by me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now, this is the ultimate example of submission to the will of the Father. And it becomes evident to us that if God had answered the first part of his prayer, let this cup pass by me or from me, that you and I would not be saved. If, if in fact, that cup did pass by him or it didn't go, it, he didn't have to drink of it, but he was able to be delivered from that, then you and I would not be saved. Jesus had to go through that in order to accomplish the purposes of God. And therefore, he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so this becomes the model for our sense of submission to what God is ultimately doing. If we know that all things work together for good, for those who love God and are the called according to his purpose, then we want to enlist ourselves in that. We want to submit to that and say, Lord, whatever your purposes are for me, if I'm actually wanting you to be glorified, then I will submit to what you're doing in my life. Um, another example of this would be somebody like... Um, Corey Tenboom, uh, you're all familiar with the hiding place. Corey Tenboom. It's actually your sister Betsy that um, was really the spiritual giant. But uh, the the things that Corey learned from her sister ultimately became the things that we tend to be more familiar with. The idea of 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 seeing even in the midst of a Nazi prison camp God's grace at play. Her testimony being that which brought God glory in the midst of such suffering. Uh, somebody like a um, Oh, who am I thinking of? Amy Carmichael is another example that often comes to mind in this context. Uh, Amy Carmichael was involved in, uh, she was in the 1800s, I believe, and she was, you know, she did work with with like orphanages and things like that. But most of us don't know her from that. Most of us are familiar with Amy Carmichael because of her writing, her writing about God's faithfulness and sufficiency and grace and these things. But we know about these things because she wrote about them but she wrote about them from a hospital bed during the last 20 years of her life when she was infirm. Uh, primarily, that is what that is the bulk of what we know her for is, is what was what came out of that season, the fruit that was born under that pressure, much like a diamond being formed by the tremendous pressure that ultimately brings out such beauty. And so, you know, when we, you know, the verse 28 is a liberating passage for sure. All things work together for good for those who love God and call according to his purpose. But that doesn't mean it always looks the way we think it's going to look. And this is where uh, the rub is. This is where the question of our willingness to submit to what God is ultimately doing really comes to play. And no mature believer in a moment of, of clear thinking would ever want to deny God the freedom to do what he wants to do in and through our lives. It may not always be comfortable, but that's okay. I mean, that's just goes with the territory. As a matter of fact, when we've decided, you know, in response to the Jesus invitation to come, when we responded to that, we signed up for that. That's That may not have been taught to us early on as believers, but as we grow in maturity, 
we can become familiar with the fact that Jesus said, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I will have overcome the world. Or when Paul tells Timothy that all who seek to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, um, that the Christian life is one that is not marked by constant happiness and freedom from trials and those kinds of things. It's actually marked by frequent trials, regular trials, oftentimes trials building us for the next ones that are going to come. Well, why would God do that? Why would God allow us to go through those kinds of things? Because he teaches us some of the most valuable and important lessons in those times. Uh, There are times when we trust in the faithfulness of God because there's nothing else we can hang on to. Well, you can't put a price on the importance of that lesson. Um, There are times when he teaches us perseverance and perseverance in prayer and perseverance in just trotting through the very difficult things. Warren Wiersbe once wrote a book called The Bumps Are What You Climb On. Uh, The difficulties, the bumps in the road are the things that we ultimately gain footholds and put uh, grip with our hands and climb up the mountaintop. But we get to the mountaintop as a result of having to climb through those adversities oftentimes. We learn reliance upon the Holy Spirit. We learn learn about God's grace, as Paul did. My grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. Um, These are things that are part and parcel with the Christian life. And the, the people who are the heroes of our faith, whether they're found in Hebrews 11 or whether they're found anywhere in Scripture, the reason they're the heroes of our faith is because they came out the other side of trials and adversity having followed God, trusted Him, having not forsaken Him, but have have demonstrated a desire to be faithful to Him, just as He is consistently and constantly faithful to us. Um, you know, it's uh, it's just, it. all of these things fall under, again, the auspices. They fall within the context and framework of all things, whether good or whether seemingly bad, or literally bad, but we don't understand the, you know what ultimately God is using them for. Our adversities actually tend to serve. They not tend to. I make it sound like there's an like a an exception to that rule. Everything that comes our way becomes a tool that God uses to build into us. I'm fond of saying that God never wastes a moment of our lives. We might be prone to wasting a lot of time, but God doesn't waste any of our lives. Everything that we experience becomes a necessary building block to ultimately build into us and make us into that which he desires, and ultimately to fulfill his purposes and be glorified through us, uh, both through the, the growth that we experience and, and, and demonstrate through our lives, and also in accomplishing his ultimate purposes in bringing us to, um, to true glorification, even as the passage will go on to tell us. So, um, so Romans 8.28, an, in, an invaluably important passage for us to embrace, to cling to, and to understand, and to think through deeply, and to consider broadly uh, what ultimately is being accomplished in us ultimately, and how the things that happen in our lives daily and regularly ultimately serve even to his ends in that regard. So um, again, just by way of introduction into this, uh, again, these next 10 verses or so, and then of course into chapters 9 through 11, where we really begin to hit some, some passages that Uh, are deep and important and often troubling for people as we talk about the subject matter that lies within those passages. So hang with me, and I just uh, am hopeful that these ideas help to deepen and broaden our understanding of what uh, what God can use all the circumstances of our life to accomplish. So, Father, we thank you that you are eternally faithful, that even when things in our lives seem to speak otherwise, we can rest in the knowledge that you're working all things together for our good, 
uh, because we are the called according to your purpose and we do love you. We are yours. And so therefore we can have that confidence. So Father, we do pray that your will would be done in our lives. We want to submit ourselves to you. You have paid for us in Christ with a price. And so therefore we want to glorify you in our bodies. In other words, we want to submit ourselves to you in every facet of our being that you might be uh, free to be the Lord of all that we are. And uh, Lord, that ultimately we would seek for you to be glorified, even if it comes at great personal cost. At the end of the day, Jesus died for us, and so we want to live for him. Thank you, Lord, for all of the grace. Thank you for all of the mercy. Thank you for using us. Again, these things may seem adverse, but you're actually using us to accomplish your purposes, to demonstrate your grace at work, to show us off as trophies of your grace. Uh, to demonstrate your capacity to work things out and work all things together for our good. These are magnificent concepts to consider. Help us to do so and to do so deeply. Thank you, Father. We love you and praise you and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as always, if you have questions, comments, or anything like that, you can leave them in the uh, in the comment section on our YouTube channel here. Uh, or if you want to email me at pastorbrian at calvarychapelfranklin.com. Actually, I think we're going to probably start using the info at calvarychapelfranklin.com a little bit more frequently. Uh, I tend to check that one a lot. And so um, we're going to use the info at calvarychapelfranklin.com. And uh, of course, you can also go to my personal uh, website, my uh, blog at uh, parsonspad.com, where we post these same videos, and you can also reach out from there as well. So, but thanks for watching and listening. Glad we could spend some time together and uh, looking forward to continuing to make our way through uh, the book of Romans. Actually, I'm also very excited. I'll mention to you as well, if you follow our Sunday morning uh, posts, our Sunday morning live stream and uh, in our post after the live stream, um, we just finished the book of Revelation. After uh, about 47 or 48 weeks in that book, we uh, finally finished that. We actually finished the New Testament as a church, which was really exciting. Um, and I'm very, very excited. Uh, in the coming weeks, a few weeks from now, we're going to go ahead and do a few things along the way. But then uh, in a few weeks, we're going to go ahead and move into the book of Ephesians. Um, I can't tell you how excited I am to be going into the book of Ephesians. This is uh, a letter that is rich in terms of the number of different things it speaks of, um, topics it covers uh, that Paul speaks to. Uh, it's going to be just a great, great, deeply spiritual book and also deeply practical book. And so I hope you'll uh, follow along and and uh, and uh, join in for those as well. And of course, if you're ever in Franklin, we invite you to come and pay us a visit as well. And um, go, certainly you can go to our website at calvarychapelfranklin.com to find out where we meet on our Sunday morning and, uh, and also on our Wednesday night services. So thanks for watching. We'll catch up with you next time. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace forever.